Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Yes, I can. I've been talking with the people involved every single day. I believe it's going to happen, but I don't want to get into detail. Is Joe Biden upset that someone asked about hostages held by Hamas? Heck, I'm just amazed that we remember that they have American hostages. Because that whole conversation has completely left people's minds. But it should have been a very front and center conversation when you had uh, Jake Sullivan telling you point blank from uh, the White House... I don't know who's alive. Do you have any proof of life on hostages, especially the Americans, in the negotiations that have been going on? Has there been anything that could reassure the negotiators, the president and you, that hostages remain alive and potentially could be rescued? So we have been very transparent about the fact that we have limited visibility into both the whereabouts of the hostages within Gaza and their condition. And, and I said as recently as yesterday that we have nine missing Americans, one missing green card holder, and I cannot look him in the eye and tell you how many of those hostages are still alive. Yet if you ask the Surrender Caucus, which is known as the Squad, they'll tell you that the answer is ceasefire. Ceasefire for everything. As a matter of fact, it's not just a ceasefire. It's spiritual. You think I can make that up? Representative Ocasio-Cortez is quoted by Chad Pergram of Fox News. Ceasefire means defend the innocent. Ceasefire means transcend cycles of violence. To me, in that sense, a ceasefire is not just real politic. It is spiritual. We are being called to be higher than our history. We are being called to transcend the tit for tat. No one has called for Hamas to stop bombing Israel. No one. Not one of these worthless Jew-hating squad members, Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, Jamal Bowman, Andre Carson, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. Oh, if I, if I listen to, uh, to Jamal Bowman, I am going to get a lesson in how to be Jewish. And I've heard what was said here this evening before. That by me calling for a ceasefire with my colleagues and centering humanity, I am uplifting deeply what it actually means to be Jewish. Because I'm centering the way in which God wants us to live with each other. So I feel grateful to be standing here. And I've heard what was said here this evening. I am not taking lessons in how to be a Jew from Jamal Fire Alarm Bowman. I am not going to engage and allow that kind of cultural appropriation insanity into our lives. You applaud that? You're Jewish and applaud that? Holy hell. You're not Jewish and applaud that? Holy hell. He's going to tell me what it's like to be Jewish. Do I get to tell Jamal Bowman what it's like to be black? Go on. Let's see how quickly I get fired from this gig if I have that conversation. He's going to tell me what it means to be Jewish. Shut up. I, by the way, you should know, because I will never lie to you. If it wasn't radio, 
the amount of four-letter and five-letter and six-letter and seven-letter and eight-letter words I have for Jamal Bowman, if I was a member of Congress, I would have walked over to his office in front of his staff, in front of his wife, I don't know if he's married, in front of God, in front of the press. I would have unloaded on that man until there was nothing left. In the four-letter, five-letter, six-letter, seven-letter words. That's how disgusting I find that. I didn't think that Jamal Bowman could outdo himself from pulling a fire alarm to try and interfere with the workings of Congress. But never, ever, ever rule out the bigotry and the hatred of a bigot who will lie and manipulate because Jamal Bowman is totally fine with Israel being destroyed. But rational people aren't because this isn't about Israel. This is about you. And this is about Western civilization being destroyed. There's a march happening in D.C. as we speak. Tony Katz, that is me, by the way. Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. I, uh, I, I... I'm only sorry I didn't go uh, to the march. I had the work. I had the other things. I still should have gone. Because one at this moment should make their voice very, very, very well heard. And uh, and I, I mean, I do it here, uh, but I would like to have done it there. And they're marching not only to show support for Israel, but they're marching to say uh, this anti-Semitism everywhere is out of control. And as a follow-up, This anti-Semitism is about uh, being opposed to Western civilization. That's what we're seeing. And so when I say this is about all of us, I mean, it's it's very, very true and very, very real. Uh, From the march, I think that's Representative Richie Torres right there. Hold on one second. In her struggle for survival and self-defense. Israel must do to Hamas what the United States did to ISIS and Al-Qaeda in the 21st century. We must do to Hamas what we did to the Nazis in the 20th century. We must rid the world of the terrorism and barbarism that was perpetrated against humanity and the Jewish people. Now... We know that the narrative has shifted against Israel. Israel is the only country on earth whose existence, whose legitimacy, whose right of self-defense is the target for both delegitimation and destruction. You know, no one expected the United States to enter into a ceasefire with the empire of Japan when 2,400 Americans were murdered in Pearl Harbor. You guys know that Richie Torres is a Democrat, right? He's in the Bronx. He represents the 15th District of New York. And he has been outrageously strong, I would assume, because his district may have some Jewish voters. It's unbelievable. It must drive the squad crazy that he's speaking at this event, this march right now in Washington, D.C. Or possibly Richie Torres understands that it's about us. Which would then, of course, lead to the question of why is he a part of the Democratic Party, but neither here nor there, because the embrace from the Republican Party would be huge. Now, he'd be a more moderate member, but neither here nor there. 
just the recognition. And just like you recognize this is about Western civilization. It is imperative that we remember this and we share this. We need to share this part of the conversation. That what is being seen in the streets from these pro-Hamas protesters, from their destruction, from Hamas itself, from the support for the United Nations and others, is about the destruction of Western civilization. And the answer has to be no. Let's fight. And that's why you got to show up. And I get I've got a job to do here and I'm sharing what's going on and 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 that's a good thing I should have gone. I should have gone. I'm glad this march is happening. And we need more of them across the country. But the idea that it's a march for Israel, don't get me wrong, I like. But understand that it's a march for us. And every time we fight the Jew hate and the Jew haters in Congress and on the college campuses, it means a better life for your kid. Because they're not going to stop at me. They're not going to stop at who's gotten a circumcision. They have no plans of stopping. Once you understand that, you realize that you're in the fight. And it's one we have to win. Back to you, Congressman Richie Torres. Realization of a dream. Israel is the manifestation of the words, never again. Israel is the realization of a dream that will live on for the next 75 years and beyond. Um, Israel, hi. Thank you. Oh, my. He's going to get excommunicated from the Democrat Party right quick. Right quick. Good. We need more people willing to speak up. I'm Tony Katz. So the markets have exploded today. We're talking about the Dow up over 500 right now at 469.18. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is going down, kitten? 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Senator Mike Braun scheduled to be with us uh, in a little bit. Uh, discussing the border. He was just there getting the updates. When are we ever going to see some movement here? An Airbnb uh, picking up a new AI startup. I guess they're going to figure out faster ways to let you rent somebody's house. I've never done Airbnb. I'm freaked out by it, but everybody I've talked to who's done it says it's great. Great, terrific works, etc. I've just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just freaked out by it. I am. I, I, I say it. I admit it. I, I mean it. Uh, there, there it is. But if you've done it, just, just let me know because I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. And then there's Home Depot. So I've been watching some of the numbers today. Uh, inflation was flat in the month of October, and uh, core CPI has hit a two-year low. Core CPI, Consumer Price Index, that's without food and energy, uh, rose 0.2%. The forecast was 0.3. So the annual rate was the smallest increase in September of 2021. 
None of that says to me that the inflation is over. But this is the second time I've heard somebody discuss this idea. Home Depot says the worst of inflation is over. This is, this is how it's, it's described. Chief Financial Officer Richard McPhail saying, quote, I think the most important observation we've made is that the worst of the inflationary environment is behind us. On the same day, there is this story out of Reuters. U.S. retailers stuck with excess stock offer bargains as holiday season nears. We have been discussing what's going on with... Um, with stock, with, with, with the inventories and everything else, and saying, this is a problem. This is going to be a thing. They're not going to have the sales. They've got way too much. They didn't plan out right. Things are going to be bad. And because there's also less shopping, because of the higher inflation, because uh, there's less to buy, because your dollar doesn't go as far, there better be some deals. So far, and I wasn't even in the market, uh, for a uh, for a TV, I, I wasn't. I, I was not in uh, the market for one. Um, Best Buy had some deals. There was a like like I don't need like the super fanciest thing out there. I I, I never have. But seventy five inch TVs are five hundred seventy nine dollars. It's like my gosh. Well, I wasn't planning on getting anything, but I guess uh, now is a good time, as good of a time as any. To, uh, to to get something. Is, is it because they've got too many of these on hand? Is it because they've had to lower the prices because they need to get people in the door and get something sold? And how do these two things relate? Well, three, the CPI number, the Home Depot conversation that the worst of the inflationary market is behind us. And by the way, what proves this and there's this thing about sales. It, it, is, it is frustrating. If I were to take a look at, at my uh, 401k uh, for, the, for, the, uh, for the last quarter, I think it was uh, the, the last quarter. I actually have exclusive audio of me looking uh, and talking to my 401k. You're a little bit racist. Well, you're a little bit too. It was that bad. It was that terrible. My, I I don't know about you. My four hundred one k. Um, what is the um? O M G. Are you kidding me right now? What is the um? Oh God. The Latin for sucks. I hate Illinois Nazis. Close, close, close. I, I will give you half credit uh, for 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 that. Oh, it's awful. Missed it by that much. Double it. Missed it by that much and double it. By the way, I'm going to need a double it from Crank Yankers. I I went a little old school there. I'm going to need that sound effect. I'm going to need that immediately. Damn, it is bad. Ew, David. Correct. So why would I, what is it that these people are seeing that all of a sudden they, they, they feel that there's going to be uh, better inflation news coming forward? I do not know what they're seeing. I don't know why they're telling me that they're seeing it.
I I am convinced that this is about trying to juice a market and help a market more than anything else. Now, last week, the market was up. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy to see it. I am happy, happy to, 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 to see it. And a day like today, sure, get good momentum and, and feel good and maybe bring it home strong for the rest of the year. Terrific. The data doesn't say terrific. And I will admit I'm not the only one, and I'm certainly a guy learning on, 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 the, on the fly. Everything is vexing. Every time you read, you could read like a Wall Street Journal piece, and then you read a CNBC piece, and then a Fox Business piece, and then a Barron's piece, and they say four different things on the same subject. I don't know where people are investing right now. It's all super, super duper frustrating. But I have seen nothing, absolutely nothing, that makes me believe that things are just going to be magically better. But I want to go back to the Home Depot piece because that's not what he said. I think the most important observation we've made, this from Chief Financial Officer Richard McPhail, is that the worst of the inflationary environments is behind us. That does not say that somehow and there isn't still an inflationary environment. The worst of it, meaning this, this is what we have. Meaning this is how we live now. That it's not that the inflation is going to disappear but rather it's not going to get worse. And that's what we take as good news? Well, it sucks, but it's not going to get suckier. That is uh that is a very very interesting philosophy. I think for many people it has already been bad. They've already suffered through. Over at the Wall Street Journal. Cooling inflation likely ends Fed rate hikes. Same conversation applies. Maybe it will. Maybe things getting a little calm mean we won't see more rate increases. But it doesn't mean we're going to see rate decreases. So is this it? Is this the new normal? And how long does this last? And how do we think this doesn't have an effect? This is my only argument. The only question I keep asking. I don't want us to live in a fantasy. If things on inflation have topped off, I'd be thrilled. Overjoyed. I think that's excellent, excellent news. That is different than inflation going away. The worst is behind us. That doesn't mean that this isn't it, that the better time is somehow immediately ahead. That's not what it means. And that's worthy of noting. I don't like the dishonesty in the, in the observation and in the commentary. And, and very often we see a tremendous amount of this. We see a lot of dishonesty in the conversation. Things are not better. Things are now possibly... At a standard. It's a crappy standard, by the way. That's certainly how I'm going to think of it. But I have a nagging feeling that it will get worse before it gets better. 
I'm not a negative guy. This is Tony Katz today. I don't think there's another way to engage the conversation. If we take a look, if we take a look, if we take a look at the conversation regarding Israel, if we take a look at the conversation regarding China, no matter where you look, it has a result to the southern border. It has an effect on how all of us live in every single way. And yet we have a Congress that still does nothing. I I sometimes refer to it as as stalemate. Well, stalemate would mean that there's somehow an attempt to try and do something. Where's even the attempt? Senator Mike Braun joins me right now from Indiana, candidate for governor in Indiana as well. He was just at the border. He was saying to me, Tony, I had to get up early and, and go to bed late yesterday, which is, you know, it's, it's how Americans do it, sir. Uh, that's the way that works. Uh, you were just there. First of all, which sector were you in? And, and talk to me about what you saw. So I was in Maverick County, uh, Eagle Pass, uh, 28,000 people live in Eagle Pass. And so you understand the border. Uh, you got the Rio Grande area, the Del Rio area, and Texas is the only place actually pushing back. Now, Governor Abbott's done a heck of a job. And that's a long border stretch from the Gulf over to El Paso. And now, percentage-wise, more crossings are occurring, and I didn't know that until yesterday, in New Mexico, Arizona, and California, because legislatures and governors are basically lined up with uh, our fearless leader, Biden. So uh, it is most stark when you look at two and a half years ago when I was there with about 16 other senators, Cornyn and Cruz organized that. Go back to the final months of Trump administration, 15 to 20,000 crossings. It, when you put out the open border sign, got rid of the stay in Mexico policy, did everything to reverse what was working. It ticked up in the first few months to 50, 60, 70,000. Now it's 200,000 a month. And there's a category called gotaways of 60,000. These aren't asylum seekers. These are people from the over now 150 nationalities that come in that don't want to be caught. Like the one that was nabbed in the northern county from Maverick about six months ago as a gotaway, released to the custody of his family, he was driving the vehicle with five smuggled immigrants uh, and that ran into a couple from Georgia, eight people killed. Yesterday, uh, got earlier that morning, some folks coming in from Florida to help One of the young men had to jump off the airboat to save a toddler that was going to drown. It is pure triage, no enforcement, and it's all due to the Biden administration saying no borders. We don't mind it. We think it's going to benefit us politically. Well, it's 
you know, when we discuss the border in, in a lot of ways, there, there's plenty of blame to go uh, around. Let, let's start with Joe Biden. Of course, there was a move from the House of Representatives to impeach uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. That failed. You had a series of uh, Republicans, which I have uh, jokingly had them referred to as the Placate 8, uh, I believe is what has been said, say they're not going uh, to, to do this. Ken Buck uh, of Colorado and some others uh, uh, among them. Is is this something that you would have favored the impeachment of Mayorkas as a way of uh, stating that it is indeed the Biden administration that that has to take the top line blame here of what we're seeing? Either resign or be impeached. It's a dereliction of duty. And for Ken and the other seven, the placate eight, uh, they're then agreeing with condoning what Biden and all Democrats are interested in doing. And it begs the question, you mentioned it earlier, why isn't Congress doing anything? Well, you got the eight there that would not make it doable, maybe on any type of border security. If they're leaning that direction to where they think Mayorkas is okay, that means they're probably not going to be part of that few that you could uh, you can't lose many to have it pass in the House. And I can tell you there's not one Democrat on the Senate side, maybe other than a Joe Manchin, that would be interested in doing it. You need 60 senators. So therefore, Congress can't do anything that gives Biden free reign to not enforce anything, to condone what the current situation is. That's the pickle we're in. Hopefully that gets litigated next November. But, I, you know, we, you know, we I, I don't disagree that Biden is the issue, but we can clearly see that as as a matter of sheer politics, uh, the left and the right have failed on the border and have failed on the border uh, for for years. So is is the problem uh, the Republicans and an unwillingness to bring a strategy or is the problem the Democrats and an unwillingness to care about what happens at the border because the issue is better than a solving of the issue? The problem uh, probably pre, I'm not sure when it would be, definitely pre-Biden, you had Democrats that were interested in border security just to protect wages. And somewhere prior to the Biden administration, I don't think that was all cooked up just when he got elected, things changed in terms of the political calculation. And that was due to the fact that the border issue was just, of normal complication. How do you do things for folks already here? Uh, What do you do with work visas? Those were practical things that were done, uh, not done simply because of the malaise of this place. Now it's gotten more complicated because we can't get to 60 senators. And that's because the calculation has changed. There's almost every Republican in the Senate other than the few in the House that you mentioned that may be siding with Democrats to where we'd be for it, then you run into 60 senators. You could have gotten 60 senators seven, eight, nine, ten years ago together. You had groups working on it, but never did they think it would catapult to cascade towards where one side was purely for open borders. So now it's more untenable than what it was with the normal malaise we had to where they just couldn't get together because it was a tricky issue. The idea that the Democratic Party is fine with open borders, is that political talk? 
Meaning, is 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 that the the position of the party, or is that the position of the progressives who seem to have other Democrats scared? Because Henry, I, I don't mean to interrupt and answer my own question. Henry Cuellar, Democrat who's on in in those border towns, he's been strong as hell about the border. So I'm asking for a better definition, sir. So one of uh, two hundred and some. I don't hear anybody else other than him. He's in the place where all the action is. So he's obviously hearing that from his constituents. No, I think it goes deep through the party now. Uh, Otherwise, speak up. Uh, When I say one senator, I think that would buck what Biden wants to do. Uh, Pelosi never, when she had the gavel, was talking about uh, doing something that would be other than the policies that have been in place since Biden has been president. They've coalesced around that. So they're going to wear that albatross around their neck and they're going to have to deal with it politically. And I think that with a weakening economy, a sugar high one that we've had over the last two and a half years, that's given us inflation, huge debt. Those are going to be big issues that they can't run away from. We need to be faster footed and articulate them better. Talking to Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, Republican candidate for governor uh, in in Indiana, just spent some time uh, at the border. Let me push back on you for a moment, sir. And let's talk about uh, the Republicans, because I do not know if you could get America to say, oh, yeah, the Republicans want to do this, 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 this and this or one of those. This is that I just mentioned. Where's the policy is is the Senate. While you're there, uh, you know, you're not running for re-election in the Senate, you're running for, for governor. Is the Senate ever going to make a move to at least make this issue the most front and center thing in America? I'll agree. Not only on the border. We have been in defensive mode probably since the great society days. And I disagree with our own leadership. We can't rely on the courts to undo stuff we don't like. When we didn't like Obamacare, we should have been for reforming the healthcare industry. Well, leadership said, don't mess with it. Look at the mess we've got there as well. And until recently, Tony, I have not seen 41 Republicans agree that the Southern border is an issue. That happened just about a month ago to where that now has been elevated to more importance in my opinion, than any of the supplemental aid packages that leadership would generally like to get them all across the finish line. So that dynamic has changed. Whether we'll really do something with it, whether that takes some type of house cleaning through another election, who knows? But that was a change in dynamic that I observed just about a month ago to where the southern border has now been elevated to a more important level, take care of our own national security there than trying to police the world and guarantee helping them, borrowing the money, every penny of it. That's a difference that just has occurred. And hopefully we'll run with that over the next month and make some headway with it. Does does anybody believe that our problem with the border is that we're not willing to put enough money to it? I mean, are we not willing to put enough money to it? The amount of money that the Trump administration was putting towards it, having big results, was chump change compared to the tens and hundreds of billions that have been spent on all other kinds of escapades here. It won't cost that much. 
That's not the issue. And it can be paid for. Thank goodness Mike Johnson finally put a spending bill out there, aid to Israel, that has a pay for. That's a different dynamic. I've never heard that out of Senate leadership. So maybe something is changing. Otherwise, shame on us. They've been rolling us for decades. Something has got to change there. As as you see it, uh, you're there at the border talking with Border Patrol, uh, taking a look at things. What are they telling you right now? The biggest issue at the border is fill in the blank, sir. 24 sheriffs uh, get a hold of me in the Indiana Sheriff's Association asking to go down to the border with them. That means our own state and every other state is like that is now feeling the consequences of it. It is pitiful when you talk to Sheriff Schmerber in Maverick County, the county where Eagle Pass is, where the focus of the cartels now would be, it's the weakest link, 13 deputies. This is a county the size of a small hunk of Indiana. Uh, They are in full helpless and nearly hopeless mode. And they're just asking for anything in terms of the federal government changing. Biden is doing nothing. If it wasn't for Greg Abbott, at least shipping people to Chicago and New York, finally now the sanctuary city folks, the people that have been condoning all this are weighing in. And I think that is going to maybe move in a direction that hurts the open border policy too between now and then. They just are in triage. Uh, a, a state uh, a trooper from Florida helping them had to jump off an airboat yesterday to save a toddler. Uh, the people coming across the border there, they were on call constantly having to go out to help the border patrol just in the short time we were there. It is untenable. Uh, something's got to give. They're just on the front line of it. Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, Republican candidate for governor in Indiana. I appreciate taking the time. I'm Tony Katz. Uh, and it's like he's self-made. Sir, I wish he was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company. Myself and my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard in long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. It's at this moment I will remind uh, uh, our, our, our producer, uh, producer Carl, to put a finger on the dump button because when Senator Mark Wayne Mullen uh, starts talking and he's reading somebody else's tweet, uh, Lord only knows what's going to get said. So, so now that we've got that out of the way, let's continue. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Somebody's threatening Senator Mark Wayne Mullen? Somebody's threatening on social media the senator? All right. I mean, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. First of all, good to be with you. People are all sorts of strange, but it's not like anything's going to happen. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. You want to run your mouth? We can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your- is this actually happening? Is this is this is this going on? You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. 
You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Big oh, hold, stop it. Is that your right. solution? Are you standing up? No, no, sit down. Oh, you're a clown. Sit down. Okay. No, no, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Actively. Oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Jim. it. Hold it. If hold we can't, no, I have the mic. I'm sorry. This is hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. Ah. Uh. Ah. <sighs> Guys, somebody wants to act the tough guy. It doesn't matter. You don't have to respond to every freak. Lord, oh, Lord. This is Tony Katz today.